Welcome to Co-op Energy Talk. I'm Rachel Johnson, the Member Relations Manager here at Cherryland Electric Cooperative. And this year, Cherryland underwent an extensive process to analyze our current electric rates and develop a multi-year rate plan that will guide our rates over the next few years. This was really important to us to get it right because we do know it is a time of incredible just economic pressures, cost pressures, inflation pressures. So we wanted to make sure we had a very good plan in place to protect the financial health of the cooperative. Overall, the rate increase that we will be moving forward with in 2023 is a 6% increase in our electric rates. That is an average, and it doesn't really capture how each individual account will be impacted. So we wanted to hold a podcast to talk through the details uh, of kind of just, we're looking specifically at residential rates in this podcast, but talk through some of those details and make sure we explain how different particular members might be impacted by that 6%. Uh, One thing I I also think is important to note as you think through that number is that the average electric rate inflation nationwide right now is 15.8%. So what that means is if you look at what is happening with electric rates across the country and average it, in general, electric rates are going up almost 16%. We know that we are also in a period of generally about 8% inflation over the last year, over 2022. So we feel that while 6% may seem like a lot compared to what we've done in the last few years. Uh, it, It really is very reasonable when put into the perspective of what we're seeing going on nationally. The other thing that we were able to do with this rate change that's coming up in 2023 is rebalance our rates to better reflect our cost to serve, specifically as it pertains to the interplay of fixed cost, which we capture in our availability charge, and variable cost, which we capture in our energy charge. And I'll, we'll explain that in more detail in the podcast, but there was a kind of a, a significant rebalancing that is a part of this rate change. And then finally, we were able to add a few new rates that we wanted to talk about in a little more detail in the podcast. We are adding a residential auxiliary meter rate. This rate is aimed toward people who have two meters attached to one residential membership. So a house with a pole barn being kind of the quintessential example of that. And then finally, after many, many years of people asking for it, we are finally in a position to offer an optional time of use rate. So lots and lots of detail in this podcast. Tony and I uh, sat down and talked about it recently, kind of talked first about the process we went through. We'll share the insights that came out of the rate study that we did and then dig a little deeper into the details of what is specifically being proposed to the board. But a couple of things I wanted to uh, put on your radar as our listeners. These uh, rates that we're going to talk through today, if you have questions or you want the details, I encourage you to go look at our website. If you go to Cherryland's homepage, right there on the front page of it, there's a big banner that says rate change in you. And if you click on that, it will take you to a landing page that has all of the details, including a calculator where you can put the kilowatt hour usage from your most recent bill, and it will project what your most recent bill would be under the new rate change. So a really great tool for you for budgeting purposes. In addition to that, I wanted to put on your radar that the Uh, board of directors will be approving these rates in January. And before they approve them, there are two opportunities for you to engage with them. First, on Wednesday, January 18th at 5.30 p.m. at our office, we'll be holding an informational session. So we will have senior staff and also uh, members of the board there just to kind of explain everything that's being proposed, answer any questions anyone has, and certainly take any feedback anyone has. And then again, on Monday, January 23rd at 9 a.m. prior to our 
regularly scheduled board meeting, we will hold a formal rate hearing where you're welcome to come and give input to the board. Once the board approves this rate change, it will go into effect starting in March, which means the usage that you have in March will be accrued at these new rates, and that means you will actually see it on your April bill. So if you have any questions about that, go check out the website. Certainly reach out to us, and we're happy to, to help you think through how this will impact you. And uh, hopefully we're able to answer a lot of the questions you might have in the upcoming podcast with Tony. Well, Tony, thanks for taking the time to meet with us here and go on the podcast and just talk about kind of where, why this rate change is happening and what, how we think it's going to impact our members. That's that's really the goal of our discussion here today. Sure. Absolutely. Happy to be here. The first reason it's happening is we haven't had a rate increase in five years. And as everybody knows, we've had a lot of infl- inflation until then, and we'll get into that <laughs> as we dig down further. But the main thing about this rate increase is after the need, we, we want to be fair to everybody. And we've really tried hard to align our fairness to our rates in this go around, something we've been trying to do for a number of years. And I think we've really got it done. Mm -hmm. We can't have one rate class subsidizing the other. And I think we're going to accomplish that in this change. And that's kind of a, a really good place to start. Can you just, you know, you've, you've worked for co-ops for how long now? 30 years, 40 years? A long years? time. Like, yeah, almost 40. Okay. It was August of 83. So you got a little bit of experience. Can you uh, just, just kind of <laughs> talk about, like, what is the general philosophy that guides electric cooperative rate making? Well, fairness. Every rate class should be pulling its own weight. There are, We can identify costs to commercial accounts, residential accounts, seasonal accounts. Every rate class needs to be pulling its fair weight. We really try hard to, to be fair to every rate class. Mm-hmm. And and because we're not from profit, that's that's really kind of all we have to do is make sure that our costs are captured in a way that are, that is most fair to the people who have, oh, sure. for, from whom we incur yeah. those costs. It, it's really easy to raise rates higher to the commercial accounts who can't go anywhere else and probably don't feel it, but that's not fair. You know, we can't have commercial accounts subsidizing residential accounts. And yep, absolutely. We typically haven't around here, and, and this puts us even closer to that. So for this particular uh, year, this rate change, we worked with GDS Associates to help us analyze our current rates and our future needs. Mm-hmm. They're an engineering firm that specializes in utility rate making. Can you just kind of talk about the experience with GDS? The experience with GDS has been wonderful over my 40 years. We, you can do rate cases internally. You can use your accounting staff, and you can figure it out. Uh, some of the co-op banks in the country they offer rate studies that they'll do for almost free, but they're not quite what you want or haven't been in my experience. So this time, as important was as this was, it was my last one, and we wanted to get it right. So we went with GDS, and it's been the best experience of my 40-year career. They did a great job, and we have a great product that we can back up and defend all day long. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it, and it was a really extensive process. I mean, we've been working with GDS for the better part of about eight months, yeah. and I want to give a, a really quick shout Shout out to our team here at Cherryland that worked on this as well. Uh, Brad Pawlowski, our controller, Frank Sipker, our engineering operations manager, Mark Wilson, our CFO, and also uh, Jason Rice, our rates analyst, plus the communications team have all been very involved in this oh, process yeah, yeah. along with GDS. Yeah, it should be noted that my name's not on that list because I was not involved in the nitty gritty of this. Applying that through omission, Tony. <laughs> yeah, I know. But uh, I put my best people on it and they did a great job. Yeah, so very, very extensive process. The process we went through involved what's known is a revenue requirement study, which is really just a way of projecting your overall cost for the next few years. Like most businesses, we're experiencing cost pressures right now. Can you talk about what some of those cost pressures are that we 
we knew, but we really were able to put numbers around in this yep. process. 70 cents of every dollar we spend goes to power supply. Power supply is going up 8%, similar, similar to inflation. But Wolverine's done a great job of keeping rates stable over the years, but um, inflation has hit them too. And um, not their fault. It's just where we're at today. I don't want to interrupt you, but I will say really quick, we did... Uh, but you just two, did. I, I know. <laughs> but we did a two-part podcast series on power supply costs. You did. And mm-hmm. I would just let our listeners know if you're interested in learning more about those power supply cost pressures, check out episodes 12 and 13 of this season. But the real takeaway there is incredible volatility in power supply markets Absolutely. right now and going forward. Yeah. So, so talk yeah, about yeah, some we, of the other cost that, pressures that as well. That is a great yeah. point. To, uh, we do have some podcasts that set that up well. Other cost pressures, supply chain issues, every, you hear that every day. I'm just going to repeat that. They, they've hit the electric unit industry pretty hard. From 2017 to 2021, underground cable is up 49%. Overhead wire is up 88%. Transformers are up 32%. And bucket trucks are up 28%. If you can get a bucket truck. Bucket trucks, were, we used to order and get them in six to eight months. We're, we're now at three years for a bucket truck. So we're also going to see some increased maintenance on the trucks we have because we literally cannot get any for uh, the next three years. And then other cost pressures are AMI, our automated meter reading system, is uh, 2006 vintage, and it's reaching its end of life, or has reached its end of life. So next year, we're going to start a three-year project to replace that. That's $8 million we need to spend over the next three years, and that starts next week. And we'll capitalize that, but that just means our interest rates are going to go up because we're going to have to borrow some of that money, probably $5 million of that money. And then when we put $8 million into our capital uh, projects, depreciation is going to go up. So interest and depreciation are expenses that affect our rates. And they're two of the top five expenses that hit our rates. So those are going to go up. We are projecting some uh, continued load growth, which will offset some of this and help our cash flow as well. But power supply, people, interest rates, depreciation, those are four of our top five expenses, and they've all gone up significantly. Yeah, and, and the takeaway there just being all of the cost pressures that you all out there are seeing and feeling in your daily lives, we're seeing and feeling here in an incredibly capital intensive and infrastructure-intensive business. Um, But I also think that it's almost amazing when you list off all of those cost pressures and all of those increased costs that we're able to still come in with what's kind of, if you you levelize it across the entire membership, about a 6% increase. That's a really impressive ability to manage those cost pressures in a way that that I I think we have a lot to be proud of. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny to say you're proud of a rate increase, but that's the exact point, a 6% rate increase when we haven't raised rates in five years, and everybody knows what inflation has done the last three years. Uh, yeah, I'm extremely proud of how we've managed this and how everybody on the team has managed our expenses over the last five years, that we've got it down to mm-hmm. down to 6%. Absolutely. So so 6% is kind of that number, but after we had that, you know, here's all the cost projections and increases coming forward, so you're going to need to collect revenue to cover those costs. The next step with GDS and our team here at Cherryland was to figure out how best to collect that revenue in a way that meets that philosophy we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. So it's fair. It doesn't subsidize across rate classes. It reflects the actual cost to serve those rate classes. So, you know, let's kind of talk, can you talk through what we found and kind of specifically talk through this, this balance between fixed cost and variable costs? 
Sure. Uh, Customer-related costs. Our our revenues typically right today are collecting 3% of our customer-related costs. So 3% of the revenue that comes into the cooperative comes from, in this case, a fixed charge, a revenue-related charge. Yeah, a fixed charge. I'm sorry, a customer-related charge. The availability charge. The rest of the revenue is coming from energy and demand charges. And and in a residential case, it's predominantly energy because we obviously don't have a residential demand. But, But our expenses... 21% 21% of our expenses are allocated to fixed costs, is what the study showed. Not 3%, 21% are allocated to fixed costs. And 79% of our costs are related to the energy and demand components. And that's the balance we had to we had to get focused on and, and reallocated. So, the, so basically, the takeaway there is we were collecting a lot of what are fixed costs in variable charges. Mm-hmm. And, the, and we knew that. That wasn't a surprise, but it helped yep. us put real numbers around that and the recommendation and what we were you know what we were already planning on from GDS was you really should collect fixed cost in a fixed revenue charge or fixed charge yeah. and variable cost in a variable charge. Yeah. We, we've known our availability charge has been low the entire 20 years I've been here. Mm-hmm. But we've always had a goal of let's do 2 to 3 dollars a 2 to 3 dollar increase in availability charge every time we raise our rates. And we've done that since I've been here. The problem with that strategy is when you don't raise your rates, but every five years or, or longer, as we've done, you don't get to balancing your true cost with fixed versus variable. Mm-hmm. And that's that's on me. It's been a philosophy we've had, and uh, we, we just can't keep it up. So we, we had gone through this process, figured out where our costs were, figured out where we were incurring our cost, figured out how to balance that. So the next step is to design rates that help us accomplish that goal of collecting, you know, from each rate's Costs based on their the from each rate class based on the cost that they incur. Ninety five percent of our members are residential, so I, I'd like to kind of start there. Can sure. we focus on them and talk about what in our general residential rates our members can expect out of this rate change? Absolutely. Uh, today our availability charge is eighteen dollars a month. Our cost of service study shows that that should be twenty eight dollars. So instead of going three dollars, we're going to go the full ten and get this right finally because we've shown that the last twenty years hasn't worked. So we're going from $18 to $28 on the availability charge. On the energy side, our current energy is 11.91 cents per kilowatt hour. We're going to drop that down just very slightly to 11.7 cents. The other significant thing to remember is that monthly power supply cost recovery charge that is variable and changes month to month. We're going to take that to zero for as long as we can, and that drops another 0.008% off the energy charge. So essentially, with all those points and zeros, our energy charge is going to go down by a penny. Availability charge goes up by 10. Energy charge goes down by a a penny. And we end up with our average customer ends up with a a rate increase of 2.7% in the residential rate class. That's 700 kilowatt hours, 2.7% increase. I believe that equates to $2.93 a month to the average member. Yeah, and one of the things I'll, I'll so the, you know, there's a lot of numbers we're throwing out around right here just to kind of help people understand how it will impact them. But if you are listening to this podcast, I would really strongly encourage you to go check out our website. Uh, if you go to the homepage, there's a little banner that says rate change in you. If you click on that, it'll take you to a home, like a landing page that gives all this information. But perhaps most importantly, it has a little calculator where if you input the kilowatt hours you used last month into that calculator, it will give you a comparative bill mm-hmm. of what you would pay under the current rates and what you'll pay under the future rates. And the reason that's really helpful is because when you are making this rebalancing from fixed 
from variable to fixed, it impacts members differently depending on how much they use. Right. So it's really hard to kind of give generalities. It's very specific to that member's usage, but you can find all of that information specific to your account on our website. Uh, one of the questions that we commonly get when we raise the availability charge is whether this will disproportionately impact low-income or income-constrained mm -hmm. members. What we actually find is that the opposite is generally too true. Can you explain why? Sure. That's a, that's a reaction we got from a number of people when we first rolled out this uh, rate increase in our e-newsletter. And when I remind them of things like low-income people live, unfortunately, in less efficient housing. They have, they typically have more than multiple people, you know, multiple families sometimes in the home. And when their propane is shut off, they go to electricity and plug in a, a space heater and that type of thing. Our experience here over the last 20 years is low-income people use more than the average electricity. And when you use more than the average, your rate under this new change, your rates will go down. If you use a thousand kilowatt hours, which is uh, 3%, almost not quite 50% over the average, you're going to see uh, just a slight decrease. You know, I believe it's 10 cents or yeah, it's, it's a 10 cents. So basically a flat increase at a thousand kilowatt hours. At 1500 kilowatt hours, you're going to save $5 a month. And so it's that type of thing. Once you're over 700 kilowatt hours, you're going to see a different, less cost. And so we feel like we're being fair to the low income people. Mm-hmm because they sometimes are the ones who use the most. Yeah. And 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 again, like the, the the overarching philosophy being fairness in terms of how we charge people, but we're also very aware of the fact that for some people, energy is a disproportionate part of their monthly expenses. And so knowing that this rate increase is not targeting or unfairly making it harder, increasing the energy burden, if you will, on our low-income members is, is helps, I think, alleviate some people's concerns. So also on the kind of residential side of things, we've added two new rates to our residential offerings, uh, a residential auxiliary rate and a time of use rate. But let's let's start with this residential auxiliary rate. It's a little complex from a technical perspective, but I, I just want to kind of touch on it and then we'll just refer people to the website for more information. But can you just kind of generally explain what it is and why we yeah, added sure. it? Yeah. As everybody knows across our system, there's barns and pole barns next to the house or in, on the same property as the house. And often these barns and pole barns have a second meter. We've always classified that as something we call general service. And they've paid uh, a separate availability, a separate energy charge. And that's all good and fine. We're happy to do that. We do that all over the place. But when we did this cost of service study, we looked at, well, if we're raising the residential to $28, what about this second meter? We have poles, wires, and transformers to serve the house. $28 is paying for those. The second meter only pays for the wire and stuff that is associated with that pole barn or that barn. So it shouldn't be $28 for that second meter. So the general service rate class, we're, we're dropping the availability charge down to $14.50 a month. For the auxiliary meters. For the auxiliary yep, yep, meter. Yep. For the auxiliary meter, the second meter on the property. Yeah, if you're a general service and you have a pole barn all by yourself. That's its own. That's yeah, its own. we got poles and wires serving one meter. You're going to pay $28 for that one. Mm -hmm. It's the auxiliary meter, the two meters within close proximity on the same property mm -hmm. belonging to the same house typically. Mm -hmm. But the energy charge is going to be the same for the both. General service energy charge is the same as the residential energy charge. So we feel like we've got that long lasting, long lasting, hope it doesn't last, but a long time complaint of why am I paying the same availability charge when the meters are literally mm -hmm. 200 feet or 100 yards from each other. Yep. 
Yeah. And, and they're right. So we're fixing that. And, and like I said, there's a lot of technical complexity with this particular new rate class. And so uh, just two, two items to note. One, you don't have to worry about whether or not you qualify or don't qualify. We're auditing our whole system and we will automatically put you onto this rate if you qualify. Mm-hmm. And you will receive a, a, a communication with us in the early springtime letting you know that you are now on the auxiliary meter rate. So just that's that's something to keep in mind. And like you said, Tony, it's really just meant to reflect people for whom there are two meters served by the same residential trans, residentially sized transformer. Yeah. And so the infrastructure cost better reflects the actual infrastructure mm-hmm. costs with that $28 residential availability charge and the $1,450 yeah. auxiliary meter charge. Yeah. Typically yeah. in those situations, the transformer is sized bigger mm-hmm. because there's two meters and then two different uses. Those two meters together need to cover the cost. And we, we've divided that out. Yep. So more details about that on the website. But the other um, kind of residential offering that I wanted to talk about as we kind of conclude our podcast here today, we've had members telling us for years that they really wanted a time of use rate. And we're finally in a position to offer uh, an optional, not mandatory, an optional time of use rate for those members who might think it will help them or something they'd be interested in. So the way that the kind of rollout of it will work, uh, members will be able to sign up to indicate their interest when the rate change goes into effect in March. And then over the summer, we're going to work through some of the technical and metering details of this particular rate class, and we'll likely have members enrolled in the rate sometime, sometime next fall. So while there are still some details to iron out, can you just give us an overview in general of how the optional time of use rate will work? Sure. It's just like it says, time of use, there's going to be different rates for the time you use your electricity. And we have to, we, we get billed from our power supplier for peak demand. So that's the time we want you to not use our electricity. I hate to say not use our electricity, <laughs> but that's what time of use does. We want you to use electricity at a different time and offer you an opportunity to save money. So during this study, we, we defined two blocks of time during the year, May through September, we're going to try Anybody who signs up for this rate, it's going to be 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. And October to April, it's going to be 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Those are our our blocks of time we want to get you to use less energy. Because when everybody, if everybody would sign up for the rate and do that, we could save on our power bill. And again, our power bill is 70 cents of every dollar we spend. So we're trying to get people off that peak, which is a big cost to our, our monthly power cost. So the service charge is going to be $28 a month for the time of use rate. And if you have an auxiliary meter and you want to do time of use there because maybe you have a heat pump or maybe you're doing something periodically in your barn or pole barn, that's going to be $14.50. But the kicker to the time of use rate, if you're on, if you're using electricity on peak, it's 20 cents a kilowatt hour. Um, Not quite double the regular residential rate, but off peak, it's going to be 9.6 cents. Mm -hmm. So why is it so high? Well, there has to be incentive to get you off and that's our cost on peak. You know, we don't charge 20 cents to everybody because we're recovering it over in an average at the 11.7 that we're going to be at. But if you want to be aggressive and move off the peak, we have to give you an incentive and your incentive is to get cheaper electricity at 9.6. Sure. So it's eight cents more per kilowatt hour for every kilowatt hour you use on peak than it would be if you're on the just standard rate. But you save two cents for every kilowatt hour you use off peak. Mm-hmm. So which is most of the time, yep. which is 20 hours of the day when you take that four hours out. So it, it's it's significant and it could be if you, you know. Especially if members can move move their, um, their usage. And one of the things that we will do for those of you who indicate an interest, we're going to work on some tools that can be made available to you to before you, you commit to the rate to ensure that 
that you are able to make the changes necessary to um, to capture right. those savings. Because that's, that's key. That's, yeah. If you commit to this rate, you're committing for a long period of time. We can't have people jumping off this rate from month to month. It's going to be what? What did we decide? Twelve months? Or? I, yeah. Right now we're looking at a year, but we're still working on the details of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So watch for more coming out this fall. But those are the rate blocks: mm-hmm. two to six and five to nine. Mm-hmm. And um, and also it's important to note that this is voluntary. We're not going to force anybody to this rate. This is for the people who have been asking for it and the people who are interested in moving their time and have that ability. If you say, well, I come home at five o'clock, I don't have any ability. I don't, I don't want to wash my clothes after nine. That's fine. We have a rate for that too. And that's our regular residential rate. So don't anybody panic. You, you, could, you don't have to change your lifestyle unless you choose to. And we're trying to make that incentive because it does benefit everybody if we can get more people to that rate at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, just a, another option, another tool in the toolbox, if you will. Absolutely. And, and so that's, you know, kind of, there's a lot of other rate classes that we serve. And again, if you're interested in those details, if you happen to be a commercial member who's taken the time to listen to this podcast, we thank you. But you can find the details of how of your particular rate class all on that web page that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. But my overall, kind of like my overall takeaway of we, as we've talked through this, Tony, and as I participated in the process throughout the last year or so, is that we are moving forward with a, a rate proposal that really, truly aligns our cost with our revenue, that avoids subsidization, that is fair to everyone involved, that offers more options for our members, that positions us to be successful in the future. And my favorite fun fact, the national electric rate inflation rate for last year was 15.8%, and our rate increase at 6% compared to that and also 8% inflation, I think is a really, really important testament to the work we've done here yeah. to meet one of our core mission statements of providing affordable power for oh, our yeah, members. Absolutely. I'm happy to listen to anybody who's upset over this rate increase, but you have to know I'm sitting there thinking this is the best we can do. And I'm really proud of this. This is a, it's a low number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a rate increase, but it's a cup of coffee. It's less than a cup of coffee. I just bought a cup of hot chocolate downtown and it was more than $2 and 93 cents. Better been good hot chocolate. It was okay. Did it make your life as good as electricity? Cause I love electricity. No, no I, 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 <laughs> get so much more done with the electricity I spend $2.93 on than that well, cup of hot chocolate. But yeah, happy to listen to you, but I'm proud of what we've gotten done, proud of what the team's gotten done, and proud of after five years and no rate increases, this is where we're at. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a, a, a good a good path forward, and it sets us up for a lot of successes in the future. So thank you. Thank you very much for taking the time to come in and explain it. And again, I know we talked through a ton of detail. Don't worry about the detail. Focus on the message. And if you want more information that's specific to the details, go check out that website. Join us next time for more Co-op Energy Talk.